Proverbs chapter 24, beginning in verse 30. I went by the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof. The stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man. Proverbs chapter 24, at least these verses that we read, deal with the problem of neglect and satisfaction with our spiritual condition. It's an alarm for us to be careful. You know, it's real easy to get satisfied, isn't it? It's real easy to think everything's going okay, I'm okay, there's no great problems, and so we'll just enjoy things the way they are. Solomon says he went by a field. I don't know, he was out walking, whatever he was doing, and he noticed a vineyard. And when he looked at this vineyard, he noticed that there was something wrong. We read it, the field's overgrown with thistles. There's nettles in the field. The wall that had once protected this field is broken down. It's an obvious sign of neglect by the owner of that field. Now you understand in those days, farmers and husbandmen of vineyards were well respected, but Solomon shows no respect for the owner and the husbandman of this particular field. In fact, he says this owner was slothful. You know what slothful means? You know what a sloth is? It's an animal that moves very, very slowly. And so slothful has the idea of laziness. And he said this owner was void of understanding, literally lacking in sense. He didn't pay attention to what needed to be done. He maybe didn't care what needed to be done. See, laziness can come for a variety of reasons, can't it? You know anybody that's lazy? Don't answer that. But sometimes laziness comes when we say, hey, I've done enough. It's sufficient. I'm satisfied with where I am. I'm happy with what's going on. I'm happy with what I'm doing, and I don't want to do anything else. I feel like I've done enough. But you notice again what Solomon says about the condition of this field. Overgrown. Useless in the condition that it is in. Now, I'm going to tell you, I like to garden. Many years ago, I had a big garden. I tried to figure the size of it last night, and it was almost, I almost had a 6,000 square foot garden. That may not be big to some, but to me, that was pretty big. I'd never had a garden before, and so I had a deacon that said, you're going to have a garden. Every pastor before you have a garden, and so you're going to have a garden, and he brought his teenage sons down to till my garden for me. I like deacons like that. But about late July... Early August, boy, it got, you know how hot it is in that time of year. It got awfully hard to get behind that tiller. And it got awfully hard, just as hard as being behind the tiller, to take that hoe out there and hoe weeds out of the garden. And it was real easy to think, well, I've gotten enough out of the garden. I've put up plenty of tomatoes and everything that we put. I've got enough in the freezer. I'll just let it go. I won't weed quite as much. Where we lived, we used to dig trenches down beside where our plants were, and we'd fill those trenches with water, and that way the plants would be watered. Even in the summertime, we had nice, green, pretty gardens. But even that got to be a lot of work. 
having to run the water hose out there, you know, and turn the water on. And, and of course, that would help the weeds grow up. So that became a lot of work. So it just got to be toward the end of summer. I love gardening in the spring, but in the hot summer, it's not quite as much fun, is it? By the way, I've said gardening is just a good way for grown men to play in the dirt. And that's what it is and enjoy doing it. But the garden would become, as the weeds took it over, guess what? It would become less productive. And eventually things that were in it would begin to die. And that's a condition of what Solomon finds. I can relate to what he's talking about when he talks about this field being overgrown and, and weeds and nettles and all of that in it. Now, productivity in any situation... In any situation, whether it's a church or whether it's a business or whether it's a personal life, is a result of constant labor and a refusal to be satisfied with the status quo. Now, somebody said status quo is Latin for the mess that we're in. And we should never be satisfied with the mess that we're in. We don't need to be satisfied with the way things are. When can we say as God's people we've done enough? We've given enough to missions. We've sent enough missionaries. We've witnessed to enough people where we can reach the point that Joni sang about where we can sit around the house, sit at the table, look out on the field and say, hey, I'm happy in here sitting at the table. I'm happy feeding on what the Father has provided. We all know people. I'm sure we do. We all know people who at one time were spiritual giants. At least that's the way we saw them. Now they were dedicated to God. They were prayer warriors. They were faithful servants of the Lord. They may have even been leaders in the church of their membership. They were load bearers. They were burden bearers. They were people you turned to. Maybe if you had a Bible question or if you needed prayer. I mean they were just right there and they were there for you. But somewhere along the way they began to neglect the things of God. And now, today, they're a mere shell of what they once were spiritually. Possibly there's somebody either watching by live stream or here this morning who might have to admit, you know what? Right now, I'm not spiritually, I'm not where I once was as a child of God. I've drifted away. I've gotten a little farther away from God than I really thought I could be, than I really wanted to be. Maybe your passion, maybe your zeal. I, folks, this will happen to preachers. Maybe your passion, maybe your zeal has been replaced by complacency. Maybe it's just saying, well, you know, it's, it's just church. It's, I can go anytime. I can be there when I want to be there. And if I don't want to be there, it's not really going to hurt anything. Maybe you suffer from a problem that's common in the Lord's churches, spiritual neglect. Now, this is no excuse. It's a reason. We get so busy in the everyday, what we call the everyday things of life. If you read my Facebook yesterday, I remember saying something like, it's, you know, I feel like I've been working all day and it's only one o'clock. You know, it's just like there's so many things and then some things happened that added to the things I needed to do yesterday. And I was so busy. And yet I said, there's, you know, I need to go up and change the sign. I need to, because I'd put that off, you know, for, for other things. I need to get my uh, bulletin article to Sister Vicki. I need to do this. And I, but we can get so caught up in those things 
And those are good things. I'm not saying they're bad things. Those are good things. We can get so caught up in them that we really neglect our spiritual well-being. It's everyday living. Solomon draws attention to the problem of neglect. And here he says it's a result of slothfulness and a result of the owner of the field not having real good sense. And what he says is that poverty, now he's speaking in a material sense, but we're speaking in a spiritual sense. Spiritual poverty is imminent for people who get so caught up in the world that they neglect their spiritual well-being. We have to have time when we're alone with God and we can talk to Him in prayer. We have to have that time that we can sit down with the Word of God and read the Word of God and study the Word of God and apply the Word of God in our lives. Many of our brothers and sisters in Christ, members of this church, are headed the condition that Solomon talked about, spiritual poverty, and even worse, some are already there, folks. In 2 Peter, we just recently studied 2 Peter on Wednesday nights. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9, God has something to say about the failure of spiritual growth in our lives. Remember in verses 5 through 7, Peter says, God through Peter said, there are things that we need to add to our faith. We need to add love and we need to add all of these other things that he mentions there in those verses 5 through 7 in 2 Peter 1. And then he says in verse 9, But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. It is so easy to get caught up in living as a human being that we forget that there were spiritual beings also. And that we have a spirit that needs to be fed. And we have a spiritual life that needs to grow. And we just find ourselves one day, in fact, Roy Peter says it, we take a blindness to ourselves. We just get in a fog and we can't see what's going on. So we're going to look at these verses right quickly in Proverbs. And we're going to see what Solomon has to say and what God's Word has to say about this thing of spiritual neglect. And first of all, we see the crisis of spiritual neglect. The owner of this vineyard had neglected his vineyard. Now, if he had not neglected his vineyard, he would have been out there getting the weeds out of it and getting the grass or having someone do that. But Solomon's saying unless he wakes up and unless he pays proper attention to this vineyard, things are only going to get worse. I'm going to mention fallow ground in a moment. Anybody know what fallow ground is? It's just ground that hadn't been tilled, it hadn't been broken up for a long time, and it's gotten hard and very difficult to get anything to grow in it. And so a lot of folks have, their hearts are like hallow ground. If we refuse to address a spiritual crisis in our lives, things will only get worse. Well, what is a spiritual crisis? Well, number one, becoming slothful or lazy in the things of God. Just failing to study our Bibles, just failing to pray, failing to witness, failing, yes, I'm going to mention it, failing to be in the services of this church. And what we may find is that our spiritual life is withering away as that goes on. We're thinking more in a worldly mindset than we are thinking in a spiritual mindset. We may see our hearts become cold. And like I said, just like fallow ground, and we can sit under the preaching of the Word of God and not be touched by it. To me, I'm, I'm just going to give you my opinion. As a pastor, I think this is the greatest problem in the Lord's churches today. We can go anytime we want to church. We can hear the Word of God preached anytime we want, we think. And so, it's just another sermon, right? 
It's just the preacher. I told the Sunday school class, I said, I think what many churches today want is just a good performance. As long as the preacher sounds like he knows what he's talking about and he doesn't have too many uhs and ahs and too many pauses and those sorts of things, hey, that's a good performance by the preacher and we enjoyed it. We miss the message. We miss the word. It just goes right over our heads because we're thinking these other things. We become indifferent toward the things of God. And you know what eventually happens? We become backslidden. And again, I think that's one of the greatest maladies that we face. Like the church at Ephesus. Here was a church that was doctrinally sound. Here was a church that loved the Lord. But what had happened? They had left their first love. They had lost their honeymoon love for the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember what it was like to be first married? You remember what it was like? I know some of us are older. But what it was like to be in love and how much that person we were in love with meant to us. And then what happens is we get married and we're married for a long time and okay, she's there, she'll always be there, right? Now, I wouldn't dare say that about my wife, right? Thank you, I got a smile out of that. So as we think about the, the crisis of spiritual neglect, look at the duration of this crisis. This field did not get in this condition overnight. You know, the man didn't go to bed one night and everything's fine and wake up the next morning and it's full of weeds and nettles and all of those things. The wall didn't decay and fall down overnight. It happened over a period of time. In fact, an extended period of time of neglect that these things happened. If we find ourselves away from God, it probably didn't happen overnight. You don't go to bed one night a faithful child of God and wake up the next morning out in the world. Chances are that spiritual matters in our lives have gone unaddressed for a period of time. And we've just not considered where we are in our fellowship with the Lord. How does that happen? It begins when we take our eyes off the Savior. We ought to keep our eyes on Jesus. We ought to follow him. We ought to read the Bible and listen to what he has to say to us. Once we take our eyes off the Savior, it's usually followed by apathy and by complacency about the things of God. Well, preacher, you don't understand. I have to work a job and I have to do this and this and this. I understand. Guess what? Preachers have just as many bills as everybody else. And they have to be paid. And that's not talking about wanting raises or anything. That's just talking about, you know what? Your pastor and his family are no different from you. Yard has to be mowed. We got up yesterday morning. We had a clogged drain. Now I wasn't planning on that. That was not in my schedule. And Joni comes in and says, I hate to add something else to what you need to do today, but, and then she told me, okay, now everything else has to be adjusted because we got to get water flowing, right? These things happen to all of us, but in the midst of all of these things, we have to keep our spiritual focus. We have to keep our eyes on the Lord and not become complacent and apathetic about spiritual things. The fleshly attitude is the result of putting too much emphasis on the world and too little emphasis on the Lord. Spiritual negligence has ruined many, many once faithful followers of the Lord. Problems in the past were not addressed. And what happens when you don't address problems in the past? They only grow worse. You can't ignore it and think it'll go away. It's, it's sort of like a cancer. You can't ignore it and think, oh, everything will be okay because it won't. 
And sadly, many people fail to realize how severe their situation is. And then there's the discernment of the crisis. Because the owner of this field apparently did not care about the condition of the field. I mean, if, if he owns the field and he goes by the field, he has to eventually notice, hey, stuff's growing up in the field. The nettles are taking over. The weeds are taking over. So it's easy to see that this has been neglected for a time. Now, this is not my message on procrastination. One of these days I'm going to get around to that one. Okay? But maybe he was like some of us. Oh, I realize that needs to be taken care of, but not right now. Oh, yes, I, I need to commit to a greater service of the Lord, but I'll do that later. Oh, yes, I need to read my Bible, but not today. I'll get to it tomorrow. Oh, yes, I need to spend more time in prayer, but, but I'll do that when I have more time. Listen, any true believer, you notice what I said, any true believer knows when he or she is backslidden. The presence and the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives will make that clear to us. What is backslidden? It's just slidden back from the, I'm not as close to the Lord as I was. And I've slidden away from Him. So why do so many who are saved fail to acknowledge their condition? If we're truly saved and the Holy Spirit will make it clear to us, why would we ignore that when He does? I'll tell you why. It's often because our hearts have become so hardened that we just don't care anymore. You say, would that happen to a child of God? Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 4, the first two verses. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, in expressed terms, in clear terms, okay? That in the latter times, we're living in the latter times, that's just any time after Paul wrote this, okay? That in latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, and doctrines of devils or demons. So Satan will try to take you away from the Lord. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. Listen to this. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. That word seared is the word for cauterized. We get our English word cauterized from it. Many years ago I injured this finger. And it, it had a blood blister. And it started to go away. And it popped back up. And it started to go away. And it popped back up. And I went to the doctor. And he said, well, it's just you've got a vein in there that needs to be cauterized. Because it's, it's just not healing. And so I went in one day and they opened that finger up and they took a hot, I guess it was, I didn't feel anything, something hot and they just cauterized or seared that vein over or that capillary or whatever it was over so they wouldn't do that anymore and I don't get any blood blisters right there anymore. He says some of our hearts are that way. They've been seared over with a hot iron. But you know what? When someone gets in that condition, our brothers and sisters in Christ can recognize, just like Solomon saw this, this vineyard, our brothers and sisters in Christ can recognize our condition almost immediately. Now, if they're loving, maybe in a loving way they can say something about it. We may not listen to them. But they may try to warn of the perils of spiritual neglect. But many people will take that personally. And they say, I just want to remain asleep. I just want to let my life be overtaken by the weeds of sin and by the nettles and by the thorns and the thistles of sin. And I'm not worried about it. And they go on their way. Listen, if you're in the midst of a spiritual crisis, there is help. But the first thing you have to do, as with anything, you have to acknowledge, I'm in the midst of a spiritual crisis. Things are not like they should be in my life.
And one way to protect ourselves from spiritual negligence is to know what causes it. So here's the cause. Okay? After considering this situation here in the book of Proverbs, Solomon saw the source of the neglected field, the neglected vineyard, and he spoke to that fact. First of all, idleness causes spiritual neglect. Look at verse 30. I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. The root word for this word slothful, I like this, means to lean idly or to be indolent. Now, when I read that phrase, to lean idly, you know what I thought about? I thought about these guys that are out here with the road crew supposed to be repairing the road and one's working and the rest of them are leaning on their shovels. Well, I'm sure they've got a job to do and it's just not their time to do that job. But that's what I thought about when I thought about leaning idly. That's what it means to be slothful. Idleness is defined as not working, inactive, unemployed, doing nothing. And in fact, Solomon said the owner of this vineyard was a lazy man. He did not get out and work in his field. If you're saved and you're not actively serving the Lord, you know what you've become? Inactive. You've become idle. I think there's no greater example of the consequences of idleness than King David. You know, the scripture says it was in the time when kings go to battle that David stayed back in Jerusalem. Oh, he sent his servants and he sent his captains and he sent his soldiers to war, but he stayed at home. And you know what David did. Now there's evidence to indicate that David knew that he could walk out on his balcony and he could look and see Bathsheba taking a bath. And so he's at home and soldiers are out fighting and he does that and he eventually does what? He commits adultery with Bathsheba. And not only does he commit adultery with Bathsheba to cover up his sin, he has her husband killed, put him at the front of the hottest war and then hottest battle and then retreat from him. He's sure to die that way, right? Premeditated murder. David became an adulterous murderer right then. Now listen, he didn't plan on becoming an adulterous murderer, did he? I don't think he did. God says later on of David, he's a man after God's own heart. But he became consumed with sin and it did not happen overnight. Like I said, there's evidence to indicate that he knew he could go out there and watch Bathsheba. His idleness created a slippery slope for him. And he had problems in his life for the rest of his life after he committed adultery. In fact, there's evidence that for almost a year, if you read the scripture, for almost a year after David committed this sin, he didn't even talk to the Lord. You know, that's what some people will do. They'll get away from God. They'll get out into sin. And I don't know why. I could suggest some reasons I won't, but I don't know why, but they just seem like I can't go to God and ask forgiveness or I won't go to God and ask. I don't want to admit that I did wrong. I don't know what the problem is. But David's problem did not start with his temptation to sin. You know where it started? It started with his idleness. Had he gone to battle with his soldiers and with his captains and with his servants, he wouldn't have been looking down at Bathsheba and he wouldn't have committed adultery with her and he wouldn't have had Uriah killed. But because he was idle and stayed home and he neglected his duty, he got into this sin. Well, what about us? Do you realize that many of the people today that we refer to as quote unquote inactive church members were at one time very active? I don't think you just quit overnight. 
if you're truly saved. I don't think you just quit overnight. But there are people that were faithful, devoted, servants of the Lord, but they're idle or doing nothing today. If they do show up, they sit through the sermon and then they go home. There's no fruit being produced in their lives. Their prayer life is covered with weeds and it's covered with nettles. They're not praying like they should. The walls that they built to protect their character are crumbling. And these are people who were once faithful servants of the Lord. What happened? They became idle. They got away from God. But here's another one. Ignorance causes spiritual neglect because he says, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. I mentioned that means lacking in sense. He just doesn't have good sense. He doesn't pay attention to what he's doing. Verse 34 says, So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. What he says is poverty is coming this man's way, and this man can't see it. Anybody who reads and studies the Word of God knows, among other things, that God will chasten his children. And I think anybody who reads and studies the Word of God understands that there is such a thing as spiritual poverty. I think of Demas, a man who had been faithful to serve God. And Paul in 2 Timothy 4 says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Well, what happened? At some point, Demas had a greater love for the world than he did for the Lord. He fell in love with the world. He didn't feed the spiritual man is the only thing I can assume. And so the fleshly man took over in his life and he fell in love with the world. This man, even when he passed his own estate, he was oblivious. Have you ever driven by something? Because I know you don't walk by it. Right? <laughs> don't look at me like that. Uh, have you ever driven by something so many times that you just begin to totally ignore it? And then one day you drive by it and there's a sign out there that says future home of whatever. And you ask somebody, or you, you think you've got some news, and you go to somebody and say, well, there's a sign up there. Look at that. Future home of this place. And the person says, well, that's been up two or three months. Well, I've driven by it every day, and I've never seen it. Well, it's because you became oblivious to it. Because you're so used to going that way. And this man became oblivious to something that was obvious to anybody else who passed by. Some people are willfully ignorant of their spiritual condition. And that's what Peter talks about in 2 Peter 1. The scripture teaches us to examine ourselves. Oh yes, when we get ready to have the Lord's Supper, I examine myself. We ought to examine ourselves more regularly than once every three months. In fact, it would be a good idea to examine ourselves by the word of God every day. Maybe several times in a day. But they don't examine themselves. They believe they're okay spiritually. They make excuses to justify their spiritual neglect and their failures of service of God. Well, I, I was just too busy. I was too tired, whatever it may be. They're willfully ignorant that if they continue in that course, spiritual poverty is coming. The vineyard owner was ignorant of the consequences of his neglect. And when it came to his duty, he became indifferent. Which means indifference causes spiritual neglect too, doesn't it? Verse 32. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Verse 33. Yea, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. Now if this man saw his field and the condition it was in, he knew what needed to be done. But he didn't do it. Have you ever been there? I know I need to, 
And you just fill in the blank there. I know I need to spend more time reading my Bible. I know I need to spend more time praying. I know I need to spend more time under the Word of God. But, or have you ever said this? So many people say this. Well, I know what the Word of God says, but I. Mm -hmm. And when we say that, do you realize we're putting ourselves above the Word of God? I know the Word of God says I ought to do this, but I. No. God's Word's the final authority, folks. Now, the owner knew what needed to be done. He didn't do it. He had done it in the past. If there was a vineyard there, there was a time in the past when he went out and he cleared that field. And he tilled that field, however they tilled it, and, and he planted the vineyard. If he hadn't planted it in days gone by, there wouldn't be one now. And it's apparent that the vineyard and the fields are precious to him. Why? Because he had built a wall around the vineyard to protect the vineyard. So he had taken care of the land. He had built the wall, but now he just neglects it. Many today, I'll say again, who are suffering from spiritual neglect were once the most faithful people in the church. You could count on them. You could depend upon them. They've walked away from jobs they once held in the church. You realize how hard it is to get people to work in churches today? It is. In the past, these folks cleared the fields, they planted the vineyards, they constructed walls. But somewhere along the way, they've become indifferent. You say, you're preaching to them, preacher. No, I'm preaching a warning to us. Folks, we've got to be careful. I have seen our number go down. Not because there's any dissension, not because there's any problem that I know of in the church. But just because, well, it's easier to, you know, it's easier to stay in bed than it is to get up on Sunday morning and go to church. I'm not encouraging anybody to do that. We get up earlier on Sunday morning than we do any other day of the week. You know, we got these wonderful things called snooze alarms. And during the week, man, about three or four times you reach out, nine more minutes, you know, nine more minutes. That's what mine does anyway. Sunday morning, it goes off the first time. All right, we got to go. We got to get up. We got to, this is Sunday. We got to go. That's the way we need to be. Sunday should be the most important day to us. We've been taught in our society that Sunday's the day to sleep in. We've been taught, and our young people have been taught, Sunday's the day to just have brunch about 11 o'clock, you know, stay in bed till 10 and go have brunch about 11 or whatever. No, that's not what Sunday is for. Sunday is the day we come together and we worship God in one of his churches. But we have people who know what they ought to do, save people who know what they ought to do, what the Lord would have them to do, and yet they don't want to do it. And they excuse themselves. Just as Solomon had a warning for the slothful man, God has a warning for us. And again, it's in verse 34. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man. Well, what are the consequences of spiritual neglect? We just read it. Verse 34. This man had been material poverty. For us today would be spiritual poverty. The neglect of this man would affect his fields. It would affect his vineyard. It would affect his stone wall and did. But listen to the areas that our spiritual poverty and his material poverty affected. Spiritual neglect affects our productivity. Listen, when the fields are overgrown with nettles, remember I used to garden. 
I still have a very small, well, I have a one row garden in the backyard. That's all we have room for. Well, then I got a few plants planted along the fence over here. And then anywhere I can dig a hole, folks, I'm going to plant something. But if you don't take care of it and you let the grass grow and you let the weeds grow with the nettles out in this field, if a crop had been planted, he wouldn't have gotten anything out of it. It would have just all been overgrown and taken over by the weeds. He needed to remove the things that were detrimental to the growth of the good plants. Is there a hint there for us? When we neglect our spiritual lives, we can't be productive for the Lord. And if there are things in our lives that will affect our productivity, we need to get them out of our lives. Jesus said in Luke 10 too, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. I better say this or the Sunday school class will know what I'm doing, okay? Because I told them, you know why some preachers don't preach hard messages? It's called job security. But we live in the day of the professional ministry. And people show up at church to watch the pastor perform his professional ministry. And the day of everyday people being out in society and telling people about the Lord Jesus and inviting them to church, those days are almost over, folks. Now, if we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us and the Lord with us, why do we need to be afraid to talk about Jesus? We'll talk about the weather. Bad storms ahead last night, early this morning. Yeah, it was. Okay, thank you. Bye. We'll talk about politics, and I'm not even going to mention anything there. We'll talk about sports, but we won't talk to people about Jesus. We took our dog to Home Depot yesterday, thought he might help us buy some things, you know. And we met this lady who had, had lost her dog and she was, I'm just giving you an illustration, had lost her dog and she was looking for, she says, you know, you can't find any small dogs. That's what I like. I said, well, let us tell you, and I'm not going to mention the name, but of where Cornelius came from. And mostly what she has are small dogs. It's a rescue. And so she mainly has small dogs. And, and we just told her how to get in contact. See, it's that, we'll talk to people about that. Well, why did you refer and recommend this particular agency? Because we like them. We're, you know, they're, they've been good for us. We like the lady that runs it. How much greater is Jesus than a pet rescue? He's here for a soul rescue is what he is, okay? And I just thought how easy it is to talk to people about everything in the world than Jesus Christ. And because, you know why? That's the preacher's job to win souls. It's not the shepherd's job to make sheep. It's the sheep's job to make sheep. The shepherd couldn't make sheep. One reason the laborers are few is so many who should be working in the fields are in the house at the table. Now we need to come here for sustenance, for food, but we need to go out with the word of God. They're in the house at the table or they're asleep, one of two, I don't know which. Spiritual neglect affects our peers. Do you think about that? The vineyard owner probably believed that his neglected vineyard only affected him. But he's wrong. His laziness is going to have an impact on everybody around him. Well, what do you mean? The weeds and the nettles in his field are going to cause trouble for his neighbors. 
because birds will pick up seeds or the wind will blow seeds. What I wanted to do this morning, I can't find one this time of year, I wanted to bring a dandelion in here and go, and what happens when that happens to a dandelion? All of those seeds just go. You know, I find them when they're in that yellow flower in my yard, I cut them down. I don't want them growing up and their seeds scattering throughout my yard. And so I pull them up, cut them down, whatever I can do. But see, what's happening in this man's field is going to affect his neighbors because it's carried by the wind into their fields. Spiritual neglect is not limited to our lives only, folks. It's going to affect others. God has put us in a position to have impact on other people. Whether you realize it or not, you have influence with other people. And he's put us in that position. Paul said in Romans 14, no man lives to himself and no man dies to himself. Your life affects someone else. Someone's watching you. I may have shared this before, but when we were youth sponsors, a lady told me one day, talking about her son's said he would come home every night after a youth meeting and tell her everything that I said and did. Don't you think that scared me to death? I rewound the tape and listened. What did I say last night? What did I do? What have I been doing in front of this young man? I had no idea he was watching me. And somebody's watching you. And you don't know who it is. And I don't either. But our neglect will have an impact on our families, on our friends, on our neighbors, on our co-workers. Spurgeon said this, If we are not blessing our neighbors by the lives we live, we are an injury and an evil to them. We need to bless our neighbors with our lives. Spiritual neglect affects our profitability. This vineyard should have brought in profit. It should have provided an income for this man and for his family. Should have fed him and his family. But it's Fields were empty. His ground was fallow. He's not growing anything in it. And so it's affecting his income. John 15, 8. Jesus did not say, God is glorified when we produce fruit. You know what he said in John 15, 8? He said, herein is my Father glorified when you produce much fruit. And based on that, folks, I think I can truthfully say that most of the Lord's churches are not glorifying God today. And what is our purpose according to Ephesians 3.21? Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. We have to look at our lives. We have to examine the fields. We have to assess the vineyard. And if we find that we're not bearing fruit for the Lord, then some changes need to be made because it's affecting our peers and our profitability and it will affect our protection because at some point there was a wall around this vineyard and it fell down. It's crumbling. See, a devoted believer builds walls, boundaries around his life. He says, I'm not going to get outside of this. I know what God's word says, and I'm not going to cross this boundary. I'm not going to cross this wall. This wall is a wall of protection. What is the wall? It's right here. This is a wall of protection. Get into the word of God. See what it says about our lives. It'll protect us from danger, folks. When we neglect to maintain those walls, when we lose the sight of our boundaries, our work is subject to attack from the enemy. What was the message last Sunday? Three traps for the believer. Lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 
Get into the Word of God. Build your wall. Set your boundaries because there's a great danger in spiritual neglect. And right quickly, the cure for spiritual neglect, because this man valued his sleep over his labor. We read about here in Proverbs. And the only hope he had for reclaiming his land was what? Wake up! And that's the only thing that will keep us from encountering spiritual poverty. We got to wake up. Look at the day we live in. Look at what's going on around us. The Lord's churches today must wake up. I offered a challenge. I don't know if any preachers watch our Sunday school class or not. But I offered a challenge in there to any preacher that might be watching. We need some preachers who are standing in pulpits who will preach the word of God without fear of the people he's preaching to. I want you happy with me. I certainly do. But I've got somebody more important than you that's watching what I do. And his name is God. Okay. <laughs> I've got to please him first. It doesn't matter if every member of this church loves me so much. If God's not pleased, folks, the Lord's churches need to wake up. The Christian life is supposed to be an active life, a life of service, a life that requires alertness, a life that requires attentiveness and labor, but so many have gone to sleep. It reminds me of a guy who was a member of a church just down the road, a Baptist church just down the road from the church I pastored. He said, we're just trying to hook in and hang on. Till Jesus comes. That's all they wanted. They didn't want to go forward. They didn't want to advance for the Lord. They just wanted to stay around, be around, always have a church there till the Lord returned. For many, their work for the Lord is idle. Their support for the church has waned. Their love for others has grown cold. Their hearts have grown hard and their Christian life is stagnant. Christian homes are being destroyed today, folks. Christian, so-called Christian children are rebellious today, folks. Families are falling apart and they don't seem to know what to do about it. You know why? They're asleep. They've left the word of God. Communities are crumbling. We have neighbors who are hurting. We have neighbors all around us who need to know Jesus Christ the Savior. We have friends that are suffering. We have churches, again, that are asleep. Society is in deplorable condition. I think you'd agree with that. And guess what? It ain't getting better, is it? Oh, one of these days things are going to get better. I'll tell you when things will get better, when Jesus comes. And when Jesus comes, it's going to be too late for some people. Because their eternity will be sealed. And they'll be alive during that terrible time called the Great Tribulation. Wickedness abounds. Sin is accepted. Jesus is rejected. Evil is celebrated. You know what this month is. You say, June. Yeah, that's not what I mean. Does anybody need me to tell you what most of the world sees June as these days? Okay. I don't take any pride in it either. The celebration of what God calls abomination. God's blasphemed. And you know why? The Lord's churches have been napping for too long. God's people have been asleep for way too long. God's sounding an alarm for us. He's saying, wake up. He's saying, wake up. I, I don't normally do this in a message. I got a text from a friend. I'm going to try to read it to you right quickly. And I'm not going to tell you who it was, obviously. But here's what she said. I'm in Hot Springs at Books A Million. 
and you would not believe how much occult material is in here, it is absolutely shocking, and most of it appears to be geared towards children. That's the worst part of it. And she says, I would not have that stuff in my house. And she said, people went nuts for it. And I was talking then. I said, you know, I give you my opinion. You can do with it what you want. But when a lot of this emphasis on the occult began was when people started raising their children on Harry Potter books and movies. Folks, it's of the devil. I'm telling you. I said that when it first came out. I said that in a message here one time. I'll say it again. And what do we do? I know people who are, quote, Christians who raise their children on Harry Potter. Magic and witchcraft and, you know, all this stuff. Oh, it's just fantasy. It won't hurt anything. You put things in a child's mind and that child's going to keep them in that mind. Try getting them out, okay? God's sounding an alarm. He has provided us countless opportunities, folks, and we've neglected them. He's opened innumerable doors and we have failed to walk through them. All around us there are children who've never been taught the Bible and every day we encounter people who are lost and going to hell and we do nothing about it. In many ways, the Lord's churches in America are in pitiful shape. Leaders aren't leading, servants aren't serving, worshipers aren't worshiping, others aren't attending, many aren't growing, and a lot of them are just closing their doors. We can't blame all of our problems on the world, on the government, or even on the devil. Boy, that's what we like to do. We like to say, oh, it's the devil. The devil's just really busy today. Well, if the devil's busy, we ought to be busier, you know. The problem is that two, and I like Sister Karen was sitting there, she's doing that. Yes, you're right. It's us. We have to blame our, look in the mirror and blame the person that's looking back at you, Okay. Too many believers are sleeping while our fields go unattended, while the weeds and the nettles and all of the vines grow up and the ground gets fallow and the ground gets hard and the vineyard is withering away. And we act like it's in the summertime and we just don't care. Seeds of sin and evil are spreading. Wind, again, like blowing on a dandelion. And while the field is neglected, we have an enemy that is prepared to attack. And he's attacking. I never thought I would see in America the things that I have seen today. You can't even watch commercials on television anymore. They've gotten R-rated. Most of them. And it's the activity of Satan. And whether we realize it or not, we're headed towards spiritual poverty. Look around you. I know we have a situation today because of weather and, and all of that. But just look around you and see how many who once were here. I could name a few. I won't. But who once were here are no longer here. And not that anybody hurt their feelings. Not that anybody did anything to them. Just easier not to show up. And God's calling us to wake up. The hour's late. The night's far spent. The day is at hand. The day of the Lord's return is at hand. Life is too short. Eternity is too long. Souls are too precious, folks. For us to be... Not proclaiming the gospel and just pretending that everything's okay. Jesus is coming back and what we're going to do for him, we better do quickly. You know, I think back to some of the early days when I was pastoring and there were times, I admit, I was 
just sort of content to go along. And as I got older, I said, I don't have time to play this game anymore. What I'm going to do for the Lord, I better do right now. Because if I don't, time will run out. And I won't be able to do any more for him. Romans 13, 11, we're going to close with this. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. We need to till the fallow ground in the field. We need to weed the vineyard, rebuild the broken down walls, folks. It's time that this church, if we're the only church in town that does it, it's time that we as a church wake up to the time in which we live because Jesus is coming back. And maybe some folks that you know, maybe some neighbors, maybe some family members, when Jesus returns are going to be left behind to endure that time of great tribulation upon the earth. Time for the Lord's churches to get busy.